Hi everybody, I'm Jeff Suckendorf, the CEO of UTDs. I don't even know the name of my company anymore. It's changed. <laughs> we did what, that five times. Is the name we changed? Did yeah, it's UTD Scuba Diving now, not Unified Jeff Team Diving. Well, it's Unified Team Diving or UTD Scuba Diving. Or UTD Diving. Diving. You can have an official name. It's UTD Scuba Diving. Okay. All right, everybody, welcome to the podcast. We're back. I'm Jeff Suckendorf, CEO of UTD Scuba Diving, and I'm here with our training director, as always, Ben Boss. Hey, Ben. Hey, hey. Good morning, everyone. So we're going to do something um, a little bit different today. We we did a podcast, uh, I don't know, a couple, three, four months ago on something called Marginal Gains. And today, we're going to do the opposite of that. Big gains. <laughs> so big gains, major gains. We took a while to figure out what we're going to call it. We're going to call it major gains. So we should take a minute and define marginal gains, right? So marginal gains are generally small little improvements in performance. Usually, they're spoken about in relation to things like bicycle racing, motorcycle racing, motor, motor racing, Formula One, stuff yeah. like that. Anytime a competitive racing kind of deal, they talk about marginal gains. It's just the smallest things that makes you go faster. Right. And one little small thing generally doesn't do that much, but 20 little small things tends to do a lot. So we did this podcast about marginal gains in scuba diving. And, you know, we were talking about things like fin angle and what were some of the other other marginal gains we talked about. Do you remember? You know, having you know pockets on your dry suit that have a Velcro closing that closes all the way instead of halfway so it doesn't right. flap out too much. And we were really, when it went down <laughs> into the small details, and I mean, in all fairness, they do have an effect, but I think many people were maybe also more after the bigger gains that can be found and ga- gained by less of an even effort. So Right. And there is an inverse logarithmic scale in marginal gains that basically says that, you know, the smaller the gain, the more expensive it is. Yeah. Usually. So I mean you can talk about changing a steel bolt for a titanium bolt yeah. and saving a gram and a half, but that titanium bolt might be twelve dollars and the steel bolt is twelve cents. Yeah. So, you know, is that one gram gonna make any difference? Probably not. Yeah. The same thing, you know, you can, nowadays you can buy these very fancy bolt snaps with, you know, designed little thumb uh, studs that don't catch lines or make so you can use it with thicker gloves and, and they're expensive. You can buy like three normal bolt snaps for the same price of one. And I figured I've never used those. They're a smart idea. I can work with the other ones. So now I can buy three for the price of one. That's my game. <laughs> right, right, right. And the other thing that was interesting was we did put a call out to all of our engineers' friends or uh, uh, you know, on the podcast that say, look, if you're an engineer and you understand hydrodynamics and you understand marginal gains, give us a call and let's talk about it. And we got how many calls? Well, absolutely a ton of nothing. <laughs> Zero. <laughs> a lot of nothing. So... Um, I think it was the same evening we recorded. We were having, um, uh, we saw some of our neighbors outside, and one of them is a physicist, and the other is a microbiologist. And we had this conversation with the three of them, two of the three of us, about the marginal gains in scuba diving. They're like, nah, I don't really know because you're going so slowly, mm. you're going in a super dense medium, and, you know, turbulence in the water that's causing a, 
you know, parasitic and induced drag on your fins is going to make fundamentally no difference. Mm. It just, and they were like, you know, it's a, it's a, it's an intellectual exercise that is going to have virtually no practical uses. Whereas, you know, we know on the bicycle that when you start stacking up marginal gains, it actually has a very effective, um, it's very effective for, as a result for results, you know, in your power performances and your speed and your, yeah, for your, sure. um, things like that. And I think also, I mean, to, to a point it, it works underwater, but with less fine refinement needed, you know, I mean, when we keep in the, in the aerodynamics range of it, that's very measurable because they put a high velocity of air past objects to measure the, um, the amount of resistance basically and how much the object gets pushed back. And I think, and I just want to interrupt you when you're doing it in air again, it's very logarithmic because the faster you go, the way more dramatic the, the effect is of the small gain. So if you're going, you know, 10 miles an hour, 15 kilometers an hour, you, you, you get some effect of these gains, but if you're going, yeah. you know, 30 miles an hour, 45 kilometers an hour, it's huge. They, yeah. It's huge. We're in the water, you know, we're talking about going 50 feet a minute or 55 feet a minute. Exactly. Right. 15 meters or 16 meters a minute. So it's, so it's a very narrow range. And, but that to say, it doesn't mean that the, the adaptations you do or the streamlining of your kid doesn't have an effect. It does except it doesn't have as big as a measurable effect. And that's why we kind of got, you know, to the conclusion that... Yeah, we went sideways on that one. <laughs> yeah, we went a bit sideways. <laughs> it was, an, intellect- it learn, was an intellectual right? exercise. And it was, it was fun. fun. And I had, I enjoyed mm. it. So so what are, where are we now? Major gains. Major gains. What, what are the big things you can do that actually have a feelable, noticeable um, difference on you? Uh, and we, we linked that up to some goals, right? I mean, saving gas... And also maybe saving a dive. What can you do? And then maybe we tie into to a, uh, a topic of mine that I love to talk about on courses, and that is something which I've came came to call solving bad technique with a technical solution. And, and it's something that the diving industry has really, really grabbed a hold of because there's tons of stuff out there you can buy to, you know, solve bad technique uh, by buying your way out of it um so let, let's you know sidetrack on some of those things uh, when we get down the line well so it came back when we started talking about it it came back to the bicycle again for just a minute because now we're talking about do you run a super thin tire and a super thin tube that has very little rolling resistance but could very easily get a flat or do you run a little heavier tire and a little heavier tube that might get less chance of having a flat? So if you're doing a ride that you know is going to take you an hour, and the difference with those two tires and tube combinations is going to be a minute, maybe. But if you get a flat, it takes you 10 minutes to fix it. Exactly. So where is the where is the the advantage in the you know what's the risk reward in that situation and i think that's kind of where we are with diving it's like if your dive if you're going to get stuck on the boat because of something simple that you're trying to think your way out of 
um, and you don't have a spare, you don't have a solution, or you're allowed, you're you're working on the edge where something can break. You know, it might take you 20 minutes to get in the water while everybody's staring at you, which impacts the dive in a huge way. So yeah, what prompted me, what prompted me to to talk about this subject again about some certain gains was I was listening to another podcast, and and they were talking about endurance training and recovery, and they had a question coming in. They did a similar thing with these questions that came in from their readers or their uh, listeners um, and subscribers about certain product versus the other product with regards to which one is better for, you know, restitution when you want to recover from a workout. And, and, and the guy said, it's like, yeah, well, doesn't really matter if you, if you look at that to, as a you know layman person like a non-professional athlete two hours a night of more sleep will outben outperform both of those products by miles you know so you're you're there nitpicking about this product brand versus this product brand because there's so many micrograms of protein in this one and whey protein in the other one and blah 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 and all these tiny little marketing things that these companies rely on that you buy their product from the other whereas two hours of more sleep that night would probably you know negate the whole idea of you drinking that over expensive synthesized piece of crap <laughs> but um when i was teaching flying and i was teaching a lot of you know competition aerobatic flying we used to really obsess on the weight of the airplane yeah. and again it's the same thing right a titanium volt versus a steel bolt or thing like that and eventually you get to a point where you're sitting there and saying you know what don't have two grilled cheese sandwiches before you jump in the airplane yeah because then we can save on the titanium bolts yeah. there's your weight saving there's like a thousand dollars worth of weight saving right just eat 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 fruit <laughs> you know eat lighter and and you know it's the same thing so all right so our goals in the idea of major gains as opposed to marginal gains. So we looked at two different things, right? One is saving gas, right? Which, of course, makes the dive longer. And the other is um, not having to stop during the dive when you don't need to. Yeah. Right? So it's it's kind of two things, right? It's making your dive last as long as you can with using the gas you can, which means big... Um, Big efficiencies. What do you do that are big efficiencies? And we'll talk about them in a minute. And then the second thing is, how do you not stop the dive during the dive to fix something that you could have not had to stop for had you thought it through prior? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Or or on the yeah. boat or getting in the water on the boat. So let's start with the saving gas thing, right? So, you know, we looked at this before we started recording and we're like, what are the, you know, the biggest thing to me that stands out on saving gas on a dive is taking the only the gear you need for the dive. And this is one of the 10 covenants that we have in UTD is you take what you need for the dive. So if you're going to do a little 30 foot, 10 meter reef dive off a boat or a shore or something like that, do you need double cylinders? Do you need, you know, three reels and two spools hanging off your rig you know so so doubles versus singles is a huge drag saving in the water i mean that is a major gain it's it's drag but it's weight and a lot of people don't realize that 
even though, uh, because I spoke to some people who did hear that last podcast about, yeah, but, you know, the, the drag in water when you're moving slow and they had the same conclusion. Yeah, but, it, you know, the weight you're carrying, we, we talked about weights before, they're overweighted, you know. So these two things for me, saving gas on a shallow, short, shore dive, the biggest gain you get from not carrying your doubles in the water, but carrying a single tank, you know, that's usually more than enough gas. It saves a little bit on the drag, of course, but it saves a lot more on the weight. I mean, every kilogram or pound you carry with you on land is very noticeable because it's heavy and you have to log it around. You have to move that volume, that weight through the water as well. And that takes you know, it takes effort. I mean, if you don't believe me, strap on a good old-fashioned twin 18, three stages, and a couple of deagle bottles and try to swim forward. You'll see what I mean. Not going to happen. That's why we use scooters. <laughs> but the same thing goes for a double set in a short, short shallow shore dive. You're going to carry twice the amount of weight almost than needed. And you're going to spend a hell of a money, a hell of a lot of gas more than, than you would otherwise do. Right. So when I was doing a lot of shore diving before we, we got wrapped up in side mount, I had this little tiny set of steel 72s. I don't know how big are those. What are they? Eight, eight liters? Yeah. Seven? seven, eight liters. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. And they're really small. And I, I like those because they were small. It was the same amount of gas as somebody with a big, you know, 18 cylinder, 18 liter, you know, or 120, something like that. Um, but I didn't have to change any of my stuff, right? I, everything was the same. It was always the doubles regulators. I left them on. It was all really good to go. So that wasn't too bad, but it was always more gas than I needed. And if I was diving with people who where we needed doubles, I couldn't use them because they weren't big enough. And I was diving with people who had singles. I didn't need them because I had too much gas, but I just, the convenience made me keep them. When we finally went to, when I finally committed to side mount fully, the simplest thing is just take two cylinders or one cylinder. It's so easy. You know, if I'm going on a little little shore dive, little boat dive, little easy shallow dive, just take one mm, for sure. and be done with it. And if I need more gas, take another one or take one and a half, right? Take the half empty one from the last dive and add a full one. So, and of course you can argue that, okay, if you have doubles on your back and therefore use you, you use more gas, you could say, who cares? I have the gas, I might as well use it. Well, yeah, mostly you're right. But sometimes, you know, uh, you have to think about if I have two single tanks, I can use one more efficiently than the other, then I have one complete full tank. And I only have to go to the dive club or the dive center to get one cylinder filled. If I, and it, you know, it, it spirals uh, onwards from there. If you use your twin set for a shallow, simple dive and use more gas than you would on a single tank, you would consequently have to get that twin set filled more often. And it, that, yeah, makes it more, more of a hassle. So, so that's the biggest thing that we found, right? And this is, we talked about monkey diving a couple of podcasts ago, and this is kind of where monkey diving came from, right? You come back from a hard dive, a tech dive, something like that, and you get rid of all that stuff. You take off the doubles, you take off the stages, take off the dry suit, you know, put on a pair of board shorts and grab a cylinder and jump in the water in, in the most efficient way you possibly can. You know, that's the, the most dramatic major gain is going from doubles and stages and deco bottles to a single slung 
uh, 80 yeah. that you trash around and with. And a pair so. of border shorts. Yeah. And a pair of board shorts. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that, so that's the kind of the idea we're looking at here is like, what are the, the big changes you can make to your diving that give you the biggest possible bang for your, I was going to say bang for your buck, but we're trying not to cause you to spend money on this one. This is like, these are not expensive fixes. These are you know, marginal gains are expensive. When the buck is effort. It's effort, you know? right. Yeah. So, sure. all right. So I'm looking through our list of things that will make you save gas or increase distance on a dive, which is kind of the same thing. And we'll get to scooters later. But um, so you, you mentioned um, not fixing bad technique with a technical solution. So gators, right? Let's talk about gators. Yeah. If you can... If you need gaiters on your dry suit, the dry suit in general might be too big for you. Uh, I mean, you know, that's very generalizing, of course, because some people have a build um, that just makes them have to buy a larger suit because they're very tall but very skinny. Um, but there are other brands out there. I would suggest uh, to look more into a brand that fits you or can make modifications to the suit um, so that you don't have to go around and, and having gaiters because if it's too wide at your lower part of your legs, chances are it's too wide at other areas as well. They just don't pose as much of a buoyancy issue is usually the reason why people use gaiters um, because it's either in the, in the torso part where it's getting compacted by your harness, but then it's just creating a lot of creases and, you know, just discomfort. So why are we talking about this? We're talking about this because one of the big, one of the major gains you're going to have is horizontal trim. Mm, exactly. That's the goal. Horizontal yeah. trim that is not created by fighting with your dry suit or your position, right? We always say, you dive your body, don't let your body dive you. So if you are trying to fix a trim problem, with anything other than managing the gear on your body easily and adjusting your, your lung volume to make it work, you're fighting higher gas use and uh, more drag in the water, right? Yeah, you're, you're, you're fighting physics. I mean, if you feel underwater that your nose heavy, you keep fighting down. If you got correct fin techniques, you can keep yourself in trim. I mean we can keep ourselves in trim with a shopping bag in one hand and a pair of apples in the other. You know, it's it's about technique. But is it comfortable? No. Is it efficient? No. <laughs> it's not really. So when we're looking at getting efficient, if you need gaiters and because the, the, the lower part of your dry suit is too flappy and it holds too much air and you have to find that you have to kick uh, more to keep your legs down, yeah, you can you can use gaiters. It's better than using ankle weights, for example. But look at getting the the, the, the dry suit that fits you because then it's going to give you a bigger gain overall in the general comfort of that suit um, nine out of ten times. So people I've helped uh, in that situation had suits either due to the fact that they were manufactured in that way or just wrongly fitted uh, to them. So, uh, th so the next piece of that same puzzle is proper breath control mm. for buoyancy. Yeah. Right. Because you no. Know, so this goes and proper weighting. So we can we've talked about this a million times, right? If you're overweighted for any reason, and you get to your shallow stops at the end, 
what's happening is that extra weight that you're carrying, if you're, you know, say two kilos, five pounds overweighted, four pounds overweighted, that extra weight has to go somewhere when you're being neutrally buoyant and it goes in the BC. So if you're at the shallow stops where gas expansion is dramatic, much more than at depth, then a small um, loss of buoyancy control of a a foot or a third of a meter will cause all that extra gas that's in your BC to expand or contract or expand or contract. So fighting that and dealing with putting um, gas in your BC, venting it out, gas in your BC, venting it out, gas in your BC, venting it out, all of that uses gas that could be used for diving. And that's another big piece of it. A lot, especially when you go to, to the tropical areas where usually you finish off the dive by diving along the shallow part of the beautiful reef. And and you don't want to be mucking around there, wasting a lot of gas because your buoyancy is all over the place. Um, so looking at proper weighting is probably, probably the easiest uh, way to save gas. So gas wasting is a major gain. It's a major gain. So here's another one, right? How do you clear your mask? Do you take a giant breath and do you just blow out as hard as you can through your nose and only get half of it out and do it again and again and again? Which is a total waste of gas. The goal of clearing your mask is just to be able to see. You don't have to get the water out, but you do have to see. So it doesn't make, if it's going to take you three breaths to clear your mask, it's not going to do you any good to take a breath, blow it out your nose, take a breath, blow it out your nose, take a breath, blow it out your nose, get all the water out, and then continue your dive. Because you just wasted three full breaths or two full breaths, right? So if you just took a breath, cleared enough that you can see, did your normal breathing, breathe in, and instead of just breathing out through the regulator, just breathe out through your mask, push a little more water out, and do it two, three, four, five times, it doesn't matter. But that way you're using your normal breathing to clear your mask, not your, your, your wasted breathing. Just practice it a little bit. I mean, people can go and say, ah, oh, but that's only three breaths. What's three breaths for a whole dive? You know, I'm going to argue that a normal tidal volume of a normal relaxed person diving around is somewhere between 1.8 and 2 liters. I still have to meet the diver that swims around with a 2 liter volume mask. So if it takes you four breaths to clear your mask, you've wasted, you know, it's a three of them, at least three and a half of them. I say practice enough with your mask clearing skills that you can do it with a third of your breath because more than that is not really necessary. It's a very, very little, little gas that goes in. You get people, they go out and have a mask that fits them perfectly and they're completely happy, but they took a, a course and now the instructor said to them, ah, oh, but you need to get a low volume mask because that makes clearing so much easier. So out they go and spend, you know, a hundred bucks or $150 on a new mask that maybe is uncomfortable, but it's, it's a low volume version. And yes, low volume masks are good, but if you have a mask that's reasonably modern, don't worry about it. If you're comfortable with it, it's perfect. You know? I don't think our masks are, are super... I mean, I've had those masks that are like really close to your face and I don't find that particularly pleasant. No, I mean, I have a mask. Uh, it's considered to be a low volume mask, but not you know, not to the, to the crazy extent. 
uh, and they've the, the the manufacturer I've used that one. It's a scuba row mask. They've angled the glass inwards, so instead of it sitting flat like on your face, uh, if you're watching it on YouTube at the moment, you can see I'm mimicking it. But imagine it it goes flat from your forehead down to your nose, or it goes from your forehead down to your cheekbones, and uh, and that angling does a lot. It helps with the visibility, but it also helps with the volume. But I just feel if you have a mask that is comfortable for you, that you can work with, that's much more efficient than going after the mask with the absolute lowest volume on the market. Because if it's uncomfortable for you, you're going to just struggle with it and use more, even though it's lower volume. <laughs> and buy three of them. When you find one you like, buy three of them. So so it kind of leads us into the next piece of this, which is what 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 are the major gains you can acquire by not having things break, not having things go wrong. And and a spare mask is one of them. Now, in all of my time in diving, I think I've maybe I've used a spare mask once. And I, I think I gave it away to somebody who lost a mask in some skills drill. Usually, yeah. yeah. But I do have friends who have had masks break, right? Where the glass just cracks or, you know, strap breaks or something breaks that... Um, so... We look at a major gain, prevention of slowing their stopping the dive as a major gain to me, which means I don't ever go on a dive without a spare mask. No. And I've never used it except once, but I still never do it because I know if I have a spare mask, if I, if I break a mask or anybody on the team breaks a mask, then the dive's over. But if you have a spare, who cares? Exactly. It takes you two minutes and you're back working again. It, it ties into the t- discussion we have, you know, on, on, on courses. It's like, listen, we don't train certain protocols, emergency protocols usually, because of the likelihood they will happen because it's usually very low likelihood that, you know, you run out of gas or you need to share gas or someone, you know, a toxic diver, for example. I mean, there's a handful of people I know um, that I had to deal with that. So it's not because of the likelihood but it's because of the consequence. So if you have a nice mask that can save your dive trip potentially, that's a you know that's a good value for your buck because if you spend I don't know a couple hundred dollars on a dive trip and you lose your dive mask and you're gonna have to do that dive trip with a borrowed mask, that's gonna be annoying. That's just it's just not comfortable. It's an easy easy big gain just to get like Jeff said. If you get a mask you like, buy three. One to use, one to your pocket, and one in the bag if you lose one of them. If you Simple. lose one, exactly. Mm. And then you're, you're good forever. Exactly. You're good forever. So that works. That's a, those are the kind of things. What, if you drop something, then that slows down the dive or potentially causes all sorts of other problems if it's just deep enough and you can see it and you end up screwing around trying to, you know, go retrieve a piece of equipment. So one of the things that I think is a completely valuable tool as part of this whole major gain things are pockets in a wetsuit. Yeah. So for about a hundred different reasons. So those, you know, those shorts you get, the neoprene shorts and you pull on and they've just got two big cargo pockets and you just pull them over your wetsuit. So whatever wetsuit you're wearing, you always have pockets. I've, I used to put pockets on my wetsuits, but then your people are sewing them on and they're gluing them on and they don't, and the wetsuits are getting holes in them, blah, blah, blah. The, po- the shorts are amazing. But without the shorts, without the pockets, then 
where do you carry your spool? Where do you carry your SMB? Where do you carry your spare mask? What happens is all this junk starts getting clipped onto your system, right? So the first thing that happens is you clip a spool and an SMB on some D-ring you can't see on the back of your unit, on the back of your gear, and of course, it unclips and spools out behind you. And then, you know, again, you're stopping and dealing with and things like that. So being able to tuck everything away is, I think, integral to a major gain on a dive. For sure. For sure. And it's, it's, it's keep, it ties into that keeping things consistent um, that makes you more efficient and gives you huge gains. So, you know, diving a, a Hogarthian backplate, single piece harness on a backplate that is attached to whatever size wing you need that matches the cylinders and the hose routing of the of the first stages keep that consistent and you don't have to worry about switching and and thinking about how to deal with stuff underwater in a new way because everything is still the same it's just you know the, the regulators coming from from one first stage instead of two first stages um if if you talk about going from doubles to to, to singles so that takes us down another interesting road which is practice Right. So if, if we're looking at our major gains to accomplish two things, right, extending the dive by in reducing gas consumption and eliminating the need to have to stop along the way if you're in, you know, exploring a wreck or you're exploring a reef or something like that. Um, I think I spoke about this on a podcast, you know, a long time ago, but I remember when I first got uh, wet notes and I had a dry suit with pockets. I remember it would take me no no time to get the wet notes out of my pocket and I could use them, although it was slow. But I remember a dive where it probably took me like 10 minutes to get that wet note back in my pocket. Super green, really new at everything, just trying to learn. You know, this was a decade, decades ago, but um, could never get that on that dive, that wet note notebook back in the pocket and I end up remember having to stop use two hands pull the pocket all this other stuff slows the dive down dramatically right um it's the same thing when you're getting to ready to shoot an SMB right you can get to the point where you're ready to shoot the SMB and stop and make everybody watch while you fish around and take it out of your pocket or you can take it out of your pocket while you're swimming to the point where you need to shoot the SMB so when you're there, it's in your hand, it's ready to go, your light is clipped off, and you've practiced this, yep, and you're done. So minutes go by in these scenarios where, um, you know, where you're not practiced on things. Um, a descent in current, right, on a drift dive, right? You have to jump off the boat in the water you know, be in the water and be it, you know, 20 feet, six meters, like in an instant, right? Because the team has to be together. So if you're the person who gets in the water and then tries to figure out this hose and this thing and all this other stuff, your team is like downrange, way gone before you even get underwater. So all of these things that you can do in the water to make your dive more efficient are major gains. They may seem like it's not a big deal, but it's learning how to manage your pockets, learning how to manage your hoses, getting in the water ready to go. You know, when you get back on from the dive and you're finished, set up your gear for the next dive. 
get the tank field, get everything set up, get it all organized. The, the, most, the more efficient you can possibly be, and you know, we work on this with the instructors a ton, right? New instructors, it's so difficult for me to watch new instructors be slower than their students. Yeah, you got to be on top of things. You got to really have like an anal retentive quality to you to, to prepare things while you've got five minutes of respite and just get it done. Because that just looks also that you're always on top of the game. And you can go the other way around and just, you know, pull on your, your doubles or your tank way ahead of the students. But you're always going to be, you know, walking around with that thing on your back, carrying other students' equipment that forgot something and stuff like that. So become proficient in the handling of your equipment is a major gain. Use some time to get in and out of your equipment. In a, in a comfortable and fluid manner, it's going to really, really reinforce it. And I think that ties into a little bit to discipline to train the things that can be annoying. Like for new divers clipping off that long hose and they become, they become complacent and just, you know, in the surface, they take it out of their mouth and just leave it hanging because in a minute I'm going to use it again. But and that goes well for 50 times until it doesn't. And then it hangs behind you. The group disappears. You lose track of, you know, your awareness. And the current takes you 15 meters away from the line. You got to struggle back and you, you know, and it just spirals out of control. You use a lot of gas and you got to board the dive prior to the other ones and all that sort of stuff. So be disciplined in, in those things. And especially here up Northern Europe where it can be cold water we dive in. Uh, right now the water is so cold it's stiff <laughs> so you know you get people with uh, preparing their equipment um, with bare hands on the surface to the last minute they're going to get into water their hands are going to get freezing cold yeah but I cannot feel anything I need to put on my mask and I need to you know put on my cylinders and we'll wait with the gloves to the very very last minute but then your fingers are completely frozen and unusable and i'm gonna tell you they're not gonna get warmer during the dive <laughs> you know it's gonna go downhill from there so training that big gain for sure so here's another major gain that's also a big pet peeve is diving deeper than you have to so i remember we went down to dominica down in the islands and um we took with us my wife and i we took with us a couple of friends who had just gotten their open water certs and this is all planned this wasn't you know it wasn't a surprise so this was going to be their first warm water open water dives and things like that and we had to i might have told the story on a, on a previous podcast but you know i had a long talk with a dive master who didn't know me from adam didn't you know i'm just a guy but i was like look these are new divers we're on this on this sloping reef can't go deeper than 40 feet you know 12 meters and, and it was just because I knew the gas consumption for these new guys was going to go out of control. So what's the first thing the dive master does? Whoosh, you know, we're at 90 feet, 27 meters. And my, my really good friend who just learned to dive is just blowing through so much gas. And, you know, I'm like trying to get the team to go up and come up and come up and let's get shallower and get shallower. And finally, you know, we got us back to a reasonable depth. And, you know, I look over and my, my friend is at, you know, 600 PSI, you know, whatever, whatever, 50 bar, 40, 50 bar. And I'm like, okay, we're going up. 
you guys keep going. I'm taking you to the surface. We get to the top and it's like, all right, we get there. He's got 500 PSI, 35 bar. And it's like, what, you know, I remember just like yesterday, he's like, you know, I used it up so fast. What happened? I said, well, you're diving at 90 feet. Of course, you're using it up fast. It's not your fault. It's the dive master's fault. We shouldn't have gone that deep. But it was so funny. He's like, well, I have 500 PSI. Is there anything else I can do with it? And I was like, yep. We can swim to the boat on the surface. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> yeah. Inflate your BC. Yeah. You know, and it was a, it was such a waste of money and time and energy. So he had a 25-minute dive that could have been double that. For sure. Diving diving too deep, deeper than you need is a big, 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 no, big, yeah, big gain to be had to just don't do it. Yeah. So midwater traveling, right? You know, we've done tons of shore dives here in California that, you know, we're coming back to the shore from, you know, 90, 100 feet, 28, 30 meters. You don't have to go. There's nothing to see. It's all sand. You don't actually have to go along that slope coming up. You can do an ascent, get to 20 feet, 6 meters. You know, we're good divers. And then scooter a kick in in midwater. And you're going through a quarter of the gas you would have used below. So it's there are all these different things about this. I remember a dive actually in Malta that I used to guide on a lot. And it was a big wreck right, uh, relatively close to shore. But from where you got in, even though Malta doesn't have fjords, it, it kind of looks like a little tiny fjord, a little crack in the side of the rocky um, shoreline basically and you get in the water at the very deepest point in inland in that crack if you follow what i mean and then you'd have to swim out you know you'd follow the bottom down and it goes really reasonably quick to like 15 20 meters um, 60 feet and and the wreck is at about 30 about 100 feet um but it takes you maybe from memory this is about 15 years ago, 20 years ago. So this is, I think it's about 20 minutes of swimming before you actually get to the wreck. But then you reach the wreck at 30 meters and that's where the propeller is. And that's not very interesting. You know, it's just a piece of steel. So you go up and you spend at 18, 20 meters on this shipwreck. After a couple of dives like that, I've I decided once that I wanted to make a free ascent on top of the wreck because it was relatively close to shore to get some landmarks for myself. And then the second time or the, 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 the times after that, we swam on the surface until I could see the landmarks and just descend there. You know, we'd, we'd spend 15 minutes swimming on the surface. And some of the guys first said, why are you doing that? Well, I want to give them more time on the wreck. And then we can look at that semi-interesting reef on the way back. And if, you know, then you... Yeah, they want to dive the wreck. They don't want to dive the reef twice. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I think it's smart, right? I think you just don't need to be deeper than you need to be deeper. It's it, it's it's really really simple. So so what's the largest major gain you can gain in scuba diving? A scooter. There's just no question to me that the the mar the, the majorest of the major gains is having a scooter. It's, you know, we've talked about this on our scooter podcast. It's mandatory almost when you've got multiple cylinders and stage bottles and things like this, but it, you know, makes the dive so much fun, so much more efficient, using so much less gas. And 
you know, as prices come down, as availability gets easier, um, as rentals become more prevalent on scooters, I don't think there's a better major gain you can make on any dive than taking a scooter with you. I really don't. Yeah. It, it does. It poses a lot of issues and things you have to take into consideration. And, you know, if you're interested in that, listen to that podcast on scooters. But um, for sure, it, it really brings a lot of stuff to the board. It's expensive, but it's fun. Well, there you go. There's our there's our marginal gain problem again, right? The, the smallest of gains equal the most of the money. So <laughs> this is a big gain with a big with a big check right, on it. Right, <laughs> right, right. But tag, you know, yeah. so is a dry suit, right? Dry suit's a major gain because you're not mm. cold, right? Which means your your 20-minute yeah. dive can now last 40 minutes because you're not freezing. So there's every place you look at it, there's ways to get big gains. That's a good a good way to conclude this whole talk on that. what okay, big gains to be had underwater and, and smaller gains to be had underwater. What about not losing a dive by preparing properly? You know, we've written down save a dive. What do you bring for spares and where do you bring them? You know, so I think one of these things you, you hear sometimes with people about choosing different brands from regulator to regulator. It's like, oh, yeah, but you can get spare parts all over and you can get service kits everywhere and stuff like that. In reality, how often do you see someone jumping in the water, figure out or, or testing their equipment, figure out something has broke, and what they do is in their dry suit with their mask on their forehead, opening up their first stage and doing a surface there and then. I don't think, you know, in in my 20 years, <laughs> I've never seen that happen. Uh, what does happen, though, is that people go into their dive bag, the smart people, <laughs> the smart ones. take out a completely different first stage and just exchange the first stage. So don't worry so much about what can you get in spare parts and stuff like that? It's more like, what do you bring when you need it? So if I'm going on a long dive trip, let's say a week or more, yes, I might bring a, a service kit because then I can fix something at night, you know, in calm, relaxed way. If I'm going on a weekend trip or even a day trip where it's, it's, uh, it's a long day out on the boat or something like that, I just bring spare equipment that's ready to go. So a spare regulator, even a spare dry suit. And you might think, well, I don't have two two dry suits. No, you, you work up to it. You know, you're not going to sit there on the boat in a dinghy, you know, 20 miles offshore and you pull on your uh, your, your, your your dry suit over your head and then you, you rip the seal. If you have a bag with an extra, you know, dry suit there, perfect. Um, if the boat accommodates that, of course, you're not going to glue it in. Even though you're on a two-day trip, you can't glue it in the day when you come back. It's still wet. So what I do with my dry suit is I save up as money for a new dry suit as soon as I bought a new dry suit. That way, after two years, I can buy a new one again. And then the old one, which is still fairly new, isn't too shabby and worn down to be able to be perfect uh, backup dry suit. And you only have to do that once because once you get that rotation going, it's not going to cost you anything anymore. Because then it's just a new dry suit. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Every three or four years, you still got that one that only has two years of use and it's going to be perfect for a long time. So so anything you can do not to not to have the dive not happen, I think, you know, we we're talking about that. So my dry suit has a replaceable neck seal, right? One of those silicone neck seals with the thing. And it takes five minutes to take a, and I always take a neck seal. And I always take wrist seals with me and stuff like those little things. 
you know, I remember I was doing a, a dive on the rebreather. Um, I think I was with Kim, who, you know, we just had on the podcast not long ago. And um, that's another whole long story, but the rebreather had a catastrophic failure on the way down. There was something broke. It was getting water in it. The lungs, cattle lungs weren't filling up. And so, you know, we got to about 60 feet, you know, 18 meters, and the whole thing was not working. And then turned around, came up, went to the boat. But here we are on a dive boat. We just booked the whole day. It's not the dive boat's fault the rebreather broke. And so, you know, Kim was sitting there in her doubles. We were going to go do our little dive and ready to go. And I took off the rebreather. I unscrewed it from the back plate. I put the back plate back on. I found a weight belt. I got a stage that I had mm. had for, or, or a, a, an aluminum 80 that somebody had on the boat, found a regulator, jumped in the water. And within maybe 15, 10, 15 minutes, I was back doing a single tank stage dive. So we got our dives in that way. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it went from rebreather to single stage, but it didn't matter. At least you can dive. At least, yeah. we, you know, we got, we got the time in the water that we signed up for, and it was fun, and it was a challenge. And, and uh, you know, we rose to a potentially dive-ending day mm. by a little ingenuity. So I think that those are the kind of things, you know, it, when we start looking at major gains is keep the dive going no matter what, save as much gas as you possibly can, and think ahead of all this stuff so you never get stuck out. You never get caught out with like, oh, I can't dive because I don't have a regulator. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, something simple. Something like that. Yeah. So, so you know, here's what I think. Send us, not you, Ben, but everybody listening, send us your ideas for major gains. What are the things you do on your dives that you think save you the most gas during the course of the dive and keep you going either in the water or before you get in the water, no matter yeah, what. Good idea. I'm interested in that. We'll cover, we'll cover the best one. Yeah. Oh, we'll cover the best ones, you know, mm. we'll, we'll look at them. So, so we'll come back in a couple of episodes and do another one of these with, with your thoughts on how to keep the dive going. Cause it's fun. I love getting these comments. That's for sure. That's so yeah cool so all right awesome well good deal so thanks for listening everybody i hope this was interesting for you um you can find this on apple Podcasts and wherever else you get your podcast pandora spotify all that but please leave us a rating and review on apple Podcasts. it helps other people find us and um and yeah we'll be back definitely next time stay tuned all right bye-bye thanks good night everybody going outside one way working down the street